So last, last week um, we had some chaos here in the family service where we enacted, there was great trauma because we moved the ta- chairs around so people couldn't sit where they normally sit and it was quite traumatic actually, but we have survived um, and we had a, a boat here and a sail up and we, we talked about Peter walking on water and Peter, um, you know, Jesus sending the people out, the disciples out there, just fed 5,000 people, maybe probably 10,000 really. And then Jesus said, go across the lake. And they went across the lake. And as they rowed across the lake, and he wasn't with them, a big wind came up and a storm grew up. And they carried on rowing through the night. It was dark and they were scared and Jesus didn't care. Isn't that sad? I'm lying, of course. But there's an element of we keep on needing to talk to one another about our circumstances do not define the presence of God. On this earth, our circumstances will be full of trial and tribulation. And if we hunker down and just worry about my circumstances and my life and Jesus, please bless me and please... You know how many people become Christians and that's it? Like the biggest thing in the world is you're baptized. Do you know how pitiful that is? That how, 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 what a waste of time that is. It's like life being one big nursery and you just run around in diapers and it's the rest of your life. You go, wow, you were born. Fantastic. I've been baptized in the blood of Jesus. Fantastic. Now what? Nothing. I just suck on everything I can get hold of and I just drain the world. This wasn't in my notes. It's just anointed me right now. I'm just a sucker for Jesus. It's all about me. And I hurt my little toe. Jesus, you don't love me. Aren't you glad you came? Um, and there was this, you're born for something. And when you become Christian, Jesus went to the cross and he poured out his, his life and he forgave us of our sin and we say, yes, Jesus. And that's the beginning of something. That's when it starts. Like you didn't graduate at baptism. You just were born. You just got it. It's like the sperm hits the embryo and now you're born. And it wasn't much to do with you anyway because God said, I should have killed you because in my law, that's what I say. But I sent my son because we went, no, we don't want to kill everybody. So let's start again. So when you're baptized, you start again. Now Jesus is part of your life. And then you go, now what? He says, well, now let's live. Let's live unintimidated. Let's live as if we're not scared of everything around us. And so Jesus sends these guys out and then he walks on the water. Now, we talked about this last week, but I'm just bringing you up to speed. We talk, he, we, he walked on the water and, and the disciples were in this boat and they were terrified and they see Jesus in the distance. They've never seen this before. They said, this is not in my comfort zone. I'll use that a lot because I'm hearing it a lot. They're most afraid of the storm and the most afraid of storms is something like the boat might sink and we can't swim really well and we're going to drown. Jesus walks in the midst of the thing they're most afraid of, which is the waves and the storm outside of the boat. And Peter is stupid, but wonderful, because he goes, Jesus, that's you, yes. Let me come and walk with you. It's interesting Jesus didn't say, uh, you know, come and walk with me. And I just want to highlight this. So much of what God wants to do demands our engagement with him. Because there were 11 who didn't say anything. And so they never took a risk. They never walked on water. They just watched. And Jesus never did that again. He said, Don, Jesus, can we go out tomorrow night and you do that again and we'll come this time? No, I've got something else to do. I'm not into entertaining you. I'm into training you. And so there's an element of, of Peter goes out and then he, he, he starts sinking and Jesus gives him by the hand. Because you see, God doesn't mind you making mistakes and he doesn't mind you failing because it's just called training. And so he, picks, he, he, he lifts him up and they go back to the boat and then the, co- the storm subsides. Notice he didn't say, yeah, Peter, just wait. I'm going to smooth the lake so you don't get hurt. I don't want you to trip over waves and then we get hurt. He didn't say, just wait, Pete. I'll make it all smooth for you and then you can walk smoothly on water. He said, no, you just come out as you are and as it is. You want to see victory in life? Start stepping into life as it is. Now, not tomorrow when the wind's gone down. Now. The world is desperate to see Christians who are strong and bold but not offensive. 
You know who they want to see? They want to see the guys walking on the water, not telling them how to believe in God, but never walking on the water themselves. People don't want to hear your voice. They really don't. They just want to see your life. They don't want to hear the theory of God, and I don't believe in God. They want to see extraordinary acts done in the name of Jesus. And the less power and the less presence of God you have, the more you talk, the more you quote scripture, the more you tell everybody what to do, the more angry you get, the more you cloister in and become a Christian hovel. It's kind of boring. Do you want to see something change in your life? Get more adventurous. Stop saying what you can't do and start saying, I can't, but he can. This is all in the Bible, by the way. It's all in the Bible in Acts chapter 4. Because we've been talking about these guys uh, after the resurrection. Because now, you know, we've been through Christmas and Easter. So now I guess we look forward to Christmas again. And you go through these religious cycles and you go, what's the point of all of this? But if you look at it, it, there's lots of point. Um, You see, what we're learning how to do is how do you live with boldness and courage in the roller coaster of life that isn't fair? How do you learn how to live in those hands and under that open heaven in a way that actually demonstrates I'm not afraid? And I trust a God who is bigger than the circumstance around me. How many of you, you don't have to answer this because I'm just trying to provoke you into thinking, how many of you really live fairly self-absorbed lives where actually everything about your prayers to God and everything else is just about you and and your family and that's it? And I mean, like the last time you offered yourself to serve something was a huge inconvenience. I'm teasing you. But really what Jesus gets is whatever's left over rather than here I am, Lord. And so these guys, they, they had gone through... The crucifixion, I say this every week, they'd gone through the shattering crucifixion, the shattering resurrection, the shattering pouring out God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. They didn't know what to believe. They were kind of gasping for air as they were going through this and God was saying, there, there, it's cool, it's working out. What do you think their context was? If you thought about Peter and if you thought about Stephen, the first guy who was martyred, he was stoned to death because he gave a very good talk to the religious leaders. What do you think those religious leaders were like? And those religious leaders locking in arms with the Romans was like, do you think that was a pretty sight? Do you think that was easy to do? Where you didn't know what was going to happen because of the violence of the oppression of this regime that was in charge and the corruption and the power hungriness of the people who were religious. It was easy to stand up and say, this I have to testify to. They say, you testify, I'll kill you. And that's what ISIS does. Say you believe in Muhammad or we kill you, chop your head off. And right as I speak, there are Christians in the those areas that are saying, chop my head off. In the West, we're so soft, you go, if you offend me, I'll leave. And I really believe, I'm not trying to hammer you, I'm not, because I'm talking to me, God is looking for a muscular army of people who are growing up, who are toughening up, who are able to actually say, I don't need five months of holiday a year to survive the tension of my life. Everybody in the world does that, because I have found my life in Jesus. How can I serve? How can I show up? How can I put aside some other things and actually go, I'm here. How can I say to my family, I'm not available today, I'm afraid, because I'm doing this. Want a witness to your family? Starts. I'm not talking about being ridiculous. I'm just talking about from time to time, making a choice for Jesus that is inconvenient. Ultimately, when you fall in love with Jesus, not much is inconvenient. It becomes, of course, there's a little challenge. If you said, well, John, would you do this or play golf? I'll go, oh, play golf. No, I, I'll do it. Of course, there's that little tension, but tension is life. You know what Christians are called? I was listening to talk and I was hearing it this week. Uh, Christians are called little Christ, little anointed ones. And we actually call, talk about the Christian faith. And faith is believing what you don't yet see. So little anointed ones believing for what they don't yet see is what we're meant to be. And little anointed ones are anointed with what? Not just oil. They're anointed with the power and the presence of the living God. He who is in you is greater than he who is outside. So you contain more bombs and more explosive power than any ISIS bomber any ISIS suicide bomber in the world. 
The reason ISIS bombers do what they do is because they're not afraid to die. What would it be like if Christians weren't afraid to die? What would happen? Maybe the world would change. It's exciting. Because Jesus said, as I was sent, so send I you. And so these disciples, they had husbands, they had wives, they had children, they had financial needs. All of those were realities for them. They're just not spoken of here. So what happened? I think in these early months, in these months of the resurrection and Pentecost and Jesus reassuring them, the supernatural God was affirming everything they'd heard about while he walked with them until he captivated their heart to the point where they said, there is nothing in life worth living for other than to follow God and Jesus, whatever it takes. Jesus, will you just top up this, but I'm doing, doing all of this. Jesus, will you captivate my heart so there's nothing else worth living for, nothing else worth dying for. That happens bit by bit. You heard that testimony from the couple where the Holy Spirit came upon them and they said, we want to, what can I do? I want to play my part, the, the guy said. Your life will be unhappy until you say, Jesus, here it is. It's very tiring and very hard to always compromise, hedge your bets. Christianity is awful that way. You just grow lukewarm and then you just become, you fill in the blanks and you do the, the duty, but it's not life. It's all or nothing, as we know it at that time, because every time we grow, of course, all or nothing changes. So there's this passage that comes in uh, where you go, what does that look like for, for the, these people to become convicted and so powerfully changed? And it looks like what we read in Acts 4, where I'm reading from verse 23. Now you remember James and John, this all started so innocently. James and John are going to the temple to, be, to pray at 3 o'clock because they're good Jewish boys and they're religious. They also love Jesus. So everything's changing. But some of their patterns haven't changed that much yet, which doesn't mean it was wrong. They probably were still doing that because they regarded themselves as Jews. So they went at three o'clock to the temple and this guy they saw begging, they, they stopped and responded to They saw him in a different way. We've talked about this a few weeks ago. They saw him in a different way. God's spirit was in them in a way that maybe caused them to see with new eyes. And they stopped and they said, silver and gold we don't have. Jesus loves you. But in the name of, silver and gold we don't have, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. What would that be like? What happens if we get to heaven and God says, you know what you had in you? Do you know what you had in you? I'll show you, I'll give you a quick action replay of your life if you had rele- let me release everything I had for you. you will, I, I, we'll just die again, I suppose. Just, oh my word, I had no idea. You contained the power of heaven. If you'd actually just stepped out a little bit there and a little bit here, this was what would have happened up. That, pe- that person would have been healed. This person would have been set free. That person, if you'd had boldness to talk to, you would have changed their lives. And you were it because I didn't have anyone else to actually get there with them. So they actually carried on for another 10 years longing for something, but they didn't know how to get it because you were wrapped up in your insecurity and fear and you said, oh, uh, I am powerful in you. Your trouble is that you wait all the time. I was listening to a talk and they said, you know, Bill Johnson of Bethel, they, they do lots of miracles. He said, apparently Bill Johnson says, I very seldom have a word from God. I just do what I know to do. We are in a time now, I think, where we're fixated on I've got to have an anointed word and a feeling before we do anything. Try having a relationship like that. That kind of intensity would kill anybody. So these disciples, they've, they've, they, they do this wonderful healing. The guy stands up and he wa- dances with them. He's quite an extrovert at this point. He's quite excited. He's never walked. He's 40 years old and he's, he's behaving like a kid and everybody's noticing. We know that, Joe. He's been bumming off us for 20 years. Now he's, he was a fake. I bet you he was never crippled in the first place. I bet they had those conversations. No, 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 really, 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 really. Ask my mother. My mum's crying because Joe's walking and he's never walked in his life. So this is the name of Jesus, they said. So we said, Jesus, what happened? He said, well, you killed him, but he rose again. Shoot, did we ever screw up? What do you do when you've just discovered you've killed the one who rose from the dead? 
I guess what you do is find that the one who rose from the dead is merciful and kind and says, you didn't know what you were doing, I forgive you. Now let's do it again. Until we know that kind of forgiveness, we won't have compassion on anyone else. Until we know what we're capable of. This stuff is living. It's extremely relevant. But it, there's a, re- a revelation has to take place where God is God and I am not. And so these disciples had wrestled with this for the last three or four years. That's why the Alpha Course is a great opportunity to say, come, come with me and let's talk about this stuff. Come and see something that I found very precious. Just humor me. Come anywhere. It's free food. Do you care? Or doesn't it matter? Or you're like me for years. I looked over the fence and said, they're having more fun than I am. But I know too much of Jesus. And uh, uh, You've got to resolve it somewhere that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He really does make a difference. And I think these disciples had come to that place where they'd got, there's nothing, there's nothing that has set me free like walking with Jesus. We walked with Jesus through these, in front of these Romans and in front of these religious people and we were out of the cage, out of the boat. We were, we were free in a way we never dreamed we would have. We actually found a boldness in us to say this Roman regime and this religious regime is merely, it's only 10 foot tall. The God of the heavens is broken in and says be free. Live from the inside out with a freedom that doesn't demand that people have to give you approval. God has set you free. What would that be like? And so these disciples, they, they, they end up in conflict with the religious leaders because as soon as you do anything with Jesus, there will be tension, there will be conflict of some kind. People will be offended. Now, I'm not saying we need to be offensive. and I'm not, way, We're all learning how not to be offensive and I'm front of line of that. How not to offend because of me, which is a tough thing to do way too much silence. You can no, John, that's not true, you should be saying. But you're going, I'm glad he's got it. That's all right. You without sin throw the first stone. But, um, you know, there's a sense of I'd rather be offensive and try than be nothing. But there will be. People are offended. People are offended by all kinds of things. And some of them are not even true, but they're, we're offended. We're very offended by all kinds of things. And so there's a point where we start saying, Jesus, how can we have you live in us in a way that causes us to live with power in the midst of all of that? And so these disciples had been sent off to jail because uh, they had offended the religious leaders. They had basically threatened their, their world view, which is often what is our issue too. We don't like anything that threatens our world or our world view or our theology. Or I'm a Baptist and this is how we think and I'm an Anglican and this is how we think. And, I'm, and you go, who cares? Whatever you are is, a, is an aberration. Whatever you are, it doesn't come from heaven. Whatever you are is a human attempt to work it all out and God in his grace allows it all to coexist but he doesn't say, oh yeah, this is my perfect group. Hard luck. And so what do these guys do? They've, 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 been in, they've now been in prison. I would think if I had healed, been used to heal somebody, I'd be a celebrity. I'd be going around the circuit. Yep, it was just amazing. Don't worship me, but I'm pretty cool. Uh, you know, we said just in the name of Jesus, and he walks. I'm on today, I'm on tomorrow, I'm on the, seat, the, I'm on the TV circuit, and the guy's with me now. He's got some nice clothes. Hallelujah to Jesus. In the first century, it was, uh, we lock you up and we probably flog you next time. Ooh, I'm not sure I'm going to do healing ministry anymore because I'm going to need healing more than the guy I'm healing. By the time I'm finished and they have finished, this is too scary. What, I mean, how much many of us would do healing ministry if we're going to get imprisoned if anybody was healed? Jesus, I pray for healing, but please don't answer this prayer because I'm in for it. Have you thought about things like that? A very human wrestling. And so these guys encourage me enormously because they go to jail, they come out of jail. They say, we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard after all of that. We were saying, no, I promise you I'll be good. I'll never do anything again. They just said, no. 5,000 people had joined them. Why do you think they joined them? Just because of the words they spoke? I think they saw extraordinary courage. 
I think they saw extraordinary integrity. Boy, we've been longing for people to stand up to these guys. Boy, we've been longing for something more. We knew something was wrong, but we couldn't put our finger on it. And then these guys stand up and speak, and when they speak, we hear God. These words come alive. But that not only that, they, they live with an unafraid. They're not angry. They're just confident. They're not boastful. They're not, they're not ugly in their, in their confidence. They're just humbly confident. Oh, I want that. So they go back. Notice one thing. James and John aren't solo agents. In a world, again, where everybody is a solo agent, if you're not careful. Uh, we don't need the church. We just want to do our own thing. God causes us all to be free and all to be leaders and all to be whatever you want to be. It's a lie from hell, but never mind. You can't be whatever you want to be, honey. Why? Because you're just not gifted in everything. So crossing your fingers and wishing I want to be a doctor when you haven't got through grade two is not going to happen. But I can be everything I was created to be. I can be everything God desires for me to be, which is way beyond our grade. So whatever we are and whoever we are, God has enormous vision for us. Eyes have not seen or ears heard what God has in store for those who love him. And so these disciples had been beaten up and they'd been sort of, uh, they hadn't been beaten up this time, they were the next time, but they're not isolated. What happens? You read in this, these are the words that you sometimes miss. On their release, verse 23, Peter and John went back to their own people. God always calls us to our own people. In other words, to the people who are following him with us because we need one another, which is what Fred started by saying. You need people around you. You need to be part of a group. You're way too dangerous on your own. You either disappear into isolation or you'll trot out in the name of Jesus and cause a riot and everybody's going to say, I wish you didn't even go. Because all we're doing now is cleaning up the damage because you're trying to get affirmation out there when you haven't worked it out in here. It's both the concertina thing all the time. They went back to their people. The biggest gift God has given us is our people. A place to belong, a place to grow, a place to test, a place to be refined. And they reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them, I love this. I mean, I can just picture me coming back. You know, we did this thing and, and all hell broke loose and we went before the, the, the authorities. They told us to, 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 to soften this thing, to stop doing this. We kind of negotiated a deal. They'll leave us alone if we leave them alone so we can peacefully coexist. How does that work for you guys? We, you know, we, we're not allowed to go out there and, and pray. We'll pray for people in here. Then we're going to set up a sign, Canada, compromise, peaceful, joking. How easily we, we, we settle for the, le- the less, don't we? We all do, until we can't, until we burn inside and say, but I cannot do this. I cannot settle for this when I've got that. So I guess you are going to have to deal with me in the marketplace because I can't, spe- can't but speak of what I've seen and heard. And what you speak of, I've seen and heard of many times. It's got nothing in it. It's just oppressive insecurity, power mongering. So they, these, these guys who gathered, they're getting it now. And what happens? When they heard this, they just went into prayer and said, oh God, please help us. Peter and John, they nearly got killed. Oh John, oh please Jesus, don't let that happen again. Lord, we pray that you bring a mighty, mighty storm and, and kill everybody. We're going to stay here. How do you pray? Oh God, please, you've got to laugh at yourselves. Laugh with me. We go to the weakest, worst place and pray God's protection. And they don't do that at all because something's changed in them. And they, sovereign Lord, they said, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. That's a pretty good beginning. What are they saying? Our world is crumbling. The Romans are in charge. The other people are in charge. It looks like you're certainly not around. But we do know that you actually have sent your son. He lived and walked among us. He was killed by these guys who were over us and you raised him from the dead. So you're bigger than them. You're more powerful. You're the God of the whole universe. What's happened is they've actually begun with how big is God, not how big is my problem. And one of the reasons why we encourage one another, come in here and take, shake yourself and worship. It's because of that. 
If you're not careful, your problem, your situation becomes your God. God cannot deal with this and I certainly cannot deal with it. Therefore, I'm going to live under it and I'm going to ask you to feel sorry for me while I'm living under my unbelief. And when this circumstance has changed, then I can worship God and serve him for the rest of my life. You know the phrase that many of us go, Lord, if you do this, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And a week later, well, I'll negotiate that one. These guys start, Lord, you are the God of the universe. If you've come in here today with something that's oppressing you, stand up to it. Jesus, you are the God of the universe. You are greater. You are the God of all sickness. You're the God of everything. You are over all sickness. You don't cause any sickness. You're above all sickness is what I'm saying. You start declaring a God who is greater than what you're dealing with. Watch what happens inside because your victory takes place from inside. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's based on who God is and what he's done and aligning yourself with that. And that's what these guys do. They raised their voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Notice what's happening here. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel and the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Everything they are praying. You need to know history. That's why you need to read the Bible. You need to know what God's done in the past. You need to know what he's capable of. And they start speaking back to God what he's already done and who he is. And what happens? They change. Oh, we lost sight of that. Peter on the water. I start looking at the waves and I sink. And Jesus says, you can stay with me. Focus on me and you'll, take, you'll overcome that. Well, I don't know how it doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. Never will. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Oh, I love this. Because I want to go, Lord, consider their threats and please stop them. They're just not even in my same room. They're in a totally different realm. Listen to what they say. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They kind of just go, Lord, we know who they are. We know what they've done. But we have gone through a transformation. When we started coming into this promised land like our ancestors years ago, we looked at the enemy and we said, there are giants there. And we feel like grasshoppers. But when the Holy Spirit came in us, he did a change in us and we have a revelation and we are the giants and they are the grasshoppers and they think they are giants and they think we are grasshoppers and we're not going to be that. We actually see ourselves as giants because of who God is in us and they are grasshoppers masquerading as giants and we're going to stand up for Jesus and we're going to stand up for them once and for all. How's God changing you on the inside? What are you? Are you a grasshopper, a locust, a worm or are you a mighty warrior? Do you know who you are? And if you start saying, but I am, you just go, it's not about you in the first place. So you're dead in the water if you're still looking at your flesh and you're still looking at who you are. You're still making excuses. You haven't won the battle. And God wants you to win the battle and say, you know what? Nothing disqualifies you. But what this village needs, what this town needs is people to stand up. And I'm not talking about being harassing, haranguing Christians. I can't stand that. I'm talking about being servant warriors. I'm talking about laying down lives, going out to meet people where they are and being friending them and then inviting them in. Because guess what? You can't do everything. That's why we need one another. And so they said this powerful prayer. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. What is he saying? The very thing that we've been told not to do, bring it on. Stretch out your hand. Let's do more of this. More lame people walk. More blind people see. Bring it on. You don't like that, eh? It's boring. You sound very quiet. I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in what do you believe? Peace on earth around me. How's it working? It's not. We've got to wind this up. Let's raise a little heaven. There's a a word from the Lord. Let's raise a little heaven. Creep. I haven't had a clap from you for about five years. It must be God. 
All right, there we go. I stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And we'll carry on this story later, because God couldn't resist that cry. Stretch out your hand boldly. What do you want? Is this just for them? I mean, the same, everything that existed when they made that prayer exists now. Everything, the same Holy Spirit, the same situations, exists now. It all depends on how we turn up. What do you want? I'd love to bring us the one up at a time. What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? You want some of that? <laughs> oh, shame. I mean, what, what in, in, in your sort of best moment, what is it that you would want? What would you want to be like? We all are a work in progress. We all have our, our stuff that we're working on, all right? We've got to embrace that. Not give license to it, just embrace it. But what would you want over and above that? What would be extraordinary? How would you like to be? You know, it's okay to tell God, you know, I, I'm not that enthusiastic about you. Really, quite frankly, it's pretty boring. I have more life when I go to the pub or I play golf or I meet with my girlfriends or whatever. Marilyn, I didn't mean to read your mind, but never mind. <laughs> you know, and this whole thing of, of, of sex with one person is so inhibiting, so narrow. I find pornography really fulfilling. I'm actually being serious. I don't want just one partner. I mean, it's so boring. But what if you start talking to Jesus about that stuff and say, but you said this is what it's meant to be like. And, and, and Jesus starts talking back to you and he says, well, let me talk to you about sex, for instance. And let me talk to multiple partners. And let me talk to you about your children, if you have children. How would you like them to behave like that? How would you like somebody to use them like that? How would you like pornography to exist with your daughter or your son? Well, how would you feel about that? Because that's how I feel about them. They are my children. And so your, your world view and what you've sunk to is a gratification that just uses people like animals. Don't you want to be bigger than that and better than that? And then you start talking to him about that and you start saying, but God, I don't know how to. He says, well, this is a good beginning. You can want to. What do you want? What do you want to be able, do you want to be able to stand when somebody is sick, actually go, you know what, I'm going to pray over them, but I'm going to pray not from a place of insecurity and fear, but boldness. And my expectation is that something's changing in them because I've prayed. Every single time I pray, God releases his spirit over that person and something changes because I'm confident of who he is. Let's stand. You can have whatever you want this morning. And I'm not talking Tony, Tony Robbins stuff. I'm just saying what, because God's already placing in you boldness. He's already placing in you dreams. But he's going to say to you, as he said to the disciples, you, if you ask me for something, you've got to be willing to go through the process of getting it. I will not do magic here. If you want magic, go to the fortune tellers in the markets over the summer. You'll probably get demonized as well. But there is, God does not do magic. You cannot sidestep your character building, your process. But what do you want? Because he has given everything he has in heaven for you on earth and for me on earth. Father, we bless you and we ask you to stretch out your mighty arm that you who have worked through history, who have healed the sick, have made the lame walk, have given eyes to the blind, you are the same God who is present here right now. And we ask you to give us a fresh revelation of your greatness, of your goodness, of your presence and your power. And we ask you where there's compromise, where there's double-mindedness, where we kind of hedge our bets and we want the best of every world. We ask you to break those mindsets in the name of Jesus. We want to be sold out for you, Jesus. And we don't want to just be talking heads. We want to be servant hearts. We want to be people with integrity who know the power of the presence of the living God. Thank you, Father. Your love for each person here is furious. Stretch out your mighty hand to heal. If you need healing, let's come up to the front. You cannot get anything from God 
if you're proud. So the first, the reason you come up to the front is not to encourage me, although of course it encourages in a, in a strange way. It's it's actually for yourself. Don't block the thing. Come up so that so that there's room for. Because I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to symbolically do something, which is come up and do something. If you want something, come and get it. There's no magic here. The carpet is the same here at the back. It's just about me saying I'm hungry. And me saying, Lord, I need you. That's all we're doing here together. And understanding there's always more. There's always more. So for me personally, when this kind of appeal is given, I always go up because there's never enough. And we ask you, Jesus, in your name to, to stretch out your Holy Spirit right now, to stretch out your mighty arm and to pour out your healing over everyone who's standing here. And even those who are not standing here because your grace is sufficient for this whole room. And I speak to sickness in the name of Jesus. And we command sickness to shrivel up in the name of Jesus. I command all sickness to die at the cross. And we release healing. You are anointed with healing in the name of Jesus. Quite honestly, no words that I speak really matter that much. God's presence will do what he will do. Just receive. Receive from the overflow of the Father's heart for you right now. What do you want? Ask him once and spend the rest of the time receiving. What do you want? What are you struggling with? Where is the negative getting in the way? Then just tell him about that. You see, Jesus came to help us get to the place he has for us. He didn't wait for us to smarten up. That's what religion does. He said, I've come to help you. He said, welcome Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. With your healing, with your encouraging, with your word of truth, that God's Spirit will actually show us things about ourselves. Be still in the name of Jesus. Be still in the name of Jesus. Be still in the name of Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Whatever you're struggling with, if there's a struggle, don't wait for a catastrophe before you yield. Tell him about it. He loves you more than you love your children. If your children came to you and said, Dad, I'm struggling with this. Mom, I'm struggling with this. You wouldn't beat them up and kick them out of the house. God is a better God, a better father than we are, better mothers than we are. Extraordinarily loving, gracious. Receive his presence. Receive his healing. Receive his strengthening and encouraging. And Father, if there's anything that's overwhelmed us, circumstance, I break depression in the name of Jesus. I break a sense of helplessness in the name of Jesus. I break that vision that sees our lives or sees things around us as there's nothing that will change. In the name of Jesus, I break it. In the name of Jesus, I break it. Command everything to submit to Jesus in the name of Jesus without demonstration. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Enough. Be still in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Sometimes things happen, and you, you know, don't, don't worry about it. In the name of Jesus, be still, be still, be still, be still. Father, we bless you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're a great God. We thank you that you are victorious. And I speak victory over you, Jody, in the name of Jesus. Victory in the name of Jesus, once and for all, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. We bless you, Jody, in the name of Jesus. Peace be upon you in the name of Jesus. The victory is won. Now we live most of our time as if nothing's happened. And we're going to ask Jesus that we're going to live from now on as if something has happened. So live out of that place. God is with you. He's in control. He's a mighty God. And he's going to take you through whatever you're going through and bring you out on the other side better, stronger, wiser, and more free than you've ever been. And we're going to share in the breaking of bread now. And you can just stand up here and come and receive. I don't really, we'll, we can be disorganized. Don't speak to one another. Let God do ministry. There will be people to pray at the back. And, uh, you know, if you need prayer, if is a silly word, we all need prayer. Go and get prayed for, which just means agree with God that I need help. And when we break bread together, it's part of our coming to our own people. We do it because we need to remember together what Jesus has done.